Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is truth. It's always on time. Father, we thank you for the people that you have here for this appointed time. God, that they would walk out of here differently than when they came in. God, that they would walk out with a sense of knowing that they are loved by you, knowing that they are completely forgiven. God, giving them hope, giving them a confident expectation of good coming their way because of Jesus. Always. It may not look like it here, but we are not of this world. We are in it. We're not of it. We are seated in heavenly places with Jesus, our Lord, our Savior. Thank you, Father, for all you're going to do here this morning. May we see Jesus in every portion of Scripture. He is our life and our hope. In Jesus' name, let the church say, Amen. All right, so uh, one of the things that, that, I, that I've always been concerned about, and, and I used to be the guy, but I feel like the gospel sometimes is being neglected a little bit. Uh, it's being uh, changed a little bit. It, you, what, you, it, you know what gospel means, right? Good news, right? And a lot of times we go to certain places. We may go to conferences. We may hear a speaker that has come in and, and, and they speak. And, uh, man, sometimes it doesn't sound like good news, right? Sometimes it's very bad news because it's all about you. It's where you fail. It's where you mess up. It's, it's where. What's up, girl? What's your digits? <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> it's all about you. It's where you fail. It's where you mess up. <laughs> but listen, it, it, the gospel is good news. The, the, the good news is, hey, you can't do it. But Jesus did. That's the gospel, right? Everything we need is wrapped up in Jesus. Everything we couldn't do, everything people couldn't do in the past is wrapped up in what Jesus did do. That's the gospel. Amen. So let me just show you a couple things. Now, now there's a lot of, um, you could think Spurgeon, you could think um, uh, Martin Luther, right? You can think of all these guys that, that, that came up against religion. And, and we're all about the gospel. You can even go back to Paul. Amen? Paul, who preached the gospel of grace. So I want to share with you this morning what I think is the core issue of it. Okay? And, and this is the title you'll see toward the end of it. How many of you guys know, this is now this is Jude. I've been accused of this a lot. But I want to show you biblically why this is, uh, it's all about the gospel of grace. Jude, it says one. Two, three. One, two, three. One, two, three. Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you, beloved. While I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. What is that? What faith? What is this faith that he's talking about? It's a righteousness by faith. That, that's the gospel. It's a righteousness by faith. That's the good news. You can't be righteous by your works. Nobody could. Nobody could. That's why Christ came. That's why it's good news. He said, stop trying. It is finished. Now walk in my ways. But you can't try to walk in his ways if you're always worried about not being good enough, if you're always worried about him breaking out the heavenly paddle and smacking you on behind. No, he put that on Jesus. Stop trying to take it back. What Christ did was good enough. Look at this word 
because it, the Bible says that they transpose for certain people have crept in, right? And they, and they transpose the gospel into something that is not the gospel. And the word transpose here is, is to transfer, it's to change, right? So they change the good news into something else. So when you preach grace, it's not, it's not that, that that's the thing that's changing the gospel. Grace is the gospel. Grace is the person of Jesus Christ. Amen? In fact, when grace is replaced, you have licentiousness. You do. If you replace the gospel of the grace, it gives you a license to sin. Because by the law is the knowledge of sin. Amen? The strength of sin is in the law. So the more you try to keep it, the more you struggle with it. That's why Paul said, man, I, I struggle with this. I do. The more I tried to keep it, the more I failed. That's the whole reason for Jesus coming. He came because nobody could keep it. That's why it's good news. Amen, church? We have to understand that. Look at Genesis 3.1. The very first temptation. What's the very first temptation? Don't say it out loud. Think in your head. We always think what? It's in the garden. We always think in terms of fruit. But I'm going to show you something. The, 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 the fruit was not the first temptation. The first temptation was Satan trying to make God look stingy. Trying to make God look like he didn't want to supply. That he didn't supply enough. Amen? Genesis 3.1. Boom. Now the serpent was more cunning. See, he was cunning. He's still cunning. Not cunningly handsome. Like this. Cunning than any beast. Of, what you laughing at over there? That was loud, bro. It was loud, man. You got a problem with me? <laughs> look, because I look. I'll be running the sunnies. <laughs> Just joking. Um, <laughs> he was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Did God say that? He was trying to make it look like God was holding something back. That's what he was trying to do. Like God was still, he was holding something back. When in, in, the, in the, the chapter before this, this is what God said. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. Say freely. Freely eat. They could freely eat all they wanted to. There was one tree they couldn't. One tree. And because of that one tree, that's what Satan approached with. How come you can't eat from that tree? Freely from all the other trees. They were the only two people on the planet. God is good, amen? He gave them more than enough. He's the God of much more. You can eat from all this stuff. Just don't touch that tree because I know. Don't eat from that tree because I know what it will do to you. Now, if you've been in this church, we believe that tree of knowledge of good and evil represents the law. There was another tree in the midst of the garden. The tree of life represents Jesus. Amen? And that's why God didn't want him to do that. So Satan's like, hey, God knows if you eat from that tree, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. 
Problem is, they already were like God. Because God said, let us make man in our image. They were already like God. But Satan gets in there and makes you focus on what you don't have. And when he makes you focus on what you don't have, it makes God look stingy. Why is God holding back? Why is God not answering that prayer? Amen? You got a little marriage problem? You're like, why is God holding back? Why, 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 why is he not answering my prayer? Why won't my husband submit to me? <laughs> Listen, here's the problem. Eve wasn't around when, 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 when God told Adam that he could freely eat from all the trees, from, from everywhere, freely eat in the garden, right? Eve wasn't made yet. So somewhere, it didn't get communicated to Eve by her husband. And her husband must have been teaching her that God is a God who holds back, focusing more on that one tree they couldn't have than on all the other stuff they had. So don't look and focus on what you don't have. The Lord's more enabled. But how many of you guys would understand that you are truly blessed right where you are? Truly blessed right where you are. Don't let the enemy, don't even let yourself get up in there and say, man, I, there's something I don't have. And you start focusing on that and you forget all the stuff you do have in the moment. Amen. All right. Second uh, Samuel 12, 8. This is interesting. I gave you, this is, this is God speaking to David. Now, David messed up. He slipped up, fell, hooked up with another woman, had a baby. There's a little slip up. Worse, he had her husband killed. It was like piling on, right? But this is what God says to David. It's pretty interesting. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your keeping and gave you to the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little... I also would have given you much more. He's like, all you had to do was come to me and ask. Just come to me. You know why people are, are, are out there? You know why people steal? Because they don't believe God will provide. You know why people uh, 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 rush into marriage? Because they don't believe God will put the right person in front of them. We don't believe. We think too little of God. When he's a God of much more. All you got to do is ask. I'm having marital problems. Well, did you ask God about it? No, I ain't going to ask God about it. But I'm not saying y'all do that. I, there's another pastor I know that does that. He doesn't ask all the time. But are you getting a picture? God says that that is too little for you. Just ask me. Just ask me. You have not because you ask not. If you will come to me, I am the God of much more. You didn't have to make it happen on your own. Just ask me. Trust me to be your provider. Praying, I put this in there, praying is not the Ten Commandments because the law presumes on man's strength. The law is, man, I got to pray. Because you're like, I, I don't know if I can pray and ask God for that stuff, man, because I haven't kept the law. Well, prayer is not a law. And it, it's presuming on man's strength to do it, to keep the law in order to get something. See, you do good, you get good under the law. You do bad, you get bad. But under grace, you get the best that heaven had to offer. Right where you are. In the person of Jesus. Amen? So, if the law is if you're praying on your own strength, it's never going to happen. Because you can't keep it. But if you're praying to God under the understanding that, that He is your supplier, that you have to understand what Christ did for you. That He's given us all things that pertain to this life. 
And now you're praying to God, the Father, like that. Amen? All right, so Romans 2, 4. Do you despise the riches of his goodness? For, and don't forget riches. But a lot of people think God's poor. El Chipo and not El Shaddai. Amen? God ain't poor. He is not. He owns everything, right? Or do you despise the riches of his goodness? forbearance and long-suffering not knowing that the goodness of god leads you to repentance it's the goodness of god people when you when you change your mind when you repent it's because you're focused on his goodness he's your supplier he he meets all your needs when you focus on him as your provider and you talk to him through prayer you start to see everything you need everything but it's his goodness it's not you getting right, it's him making you right that has given, that has opened up this for you. It's his goodness. A lot of churches preach, uh, they, they're trying to get people to repent, to change their way. And, they, and, and what do they do? They tell them how bad they are. They make them feel bad. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says preach how good he is, and then you'll see repentance. That's the gospel. I used to do that, man. I used to be that guy that would, man, it, it, it would be a successful Wednesday night youth service if every youth was down here crying. But if only like 10 of them were crying, man, I got to do better. Imagine that. See the pulpit? We can bring people out of the pit. We can pull them up out of the pit or we can pull them down into the pit. And the only reason I wanted to make that example is so you can see my biceps. Bob, what you laughing at, bro? I'm going to take you out and you at the church. <laughs> you really are too big. I ain't coming over there. <laughs> uh, 2 Kings, this is interesting. Elisha. Elisha was about to die, right? He was a prophet. He did more than Elijah did. He was a prophet. Elisha had become sick uh, with the illness of which he would die. Okay? <laughs> if that's in Scripture, you're going to die. <laughs> all right <laughs> if god writes that about you i'll see you tomorrow god or tonight whatever it is <laughs> they ain't no god please god please it's written <laughs> then then joash the king of israel came down to him and wept over his face man man was please don't weep over my face if i'm in the hospital <laughs> i don't need none of that dropping down on my face do y'all read the bible like that because <laughs> i pictured that and i said i bet elisha was like what the All right. Anyway. Uh, and said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. And Elisha said to him, Take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. And then he said to the king of Israel, Put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it. And Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. And he said, Open the east window. And he opened it. Now, Elisha was very specific with his prophecy. Always. I love it. There's so much in there. We just don't have time to hit it. Um, and he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot. And he, sh and he shoot. <laughs> Shot. <laughs> Again, that's how I read the Bible sometimes. And he, anybody can be a preacher. <laughs> don't tell God you won't be. Trust me. 
And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria, for you must strike the Syrians of Ephek till you have destroyed them. He's basically prophesying you're going to be the one. You're going to be the one that's going to take out the Syrians. And then he said, take the arrows. So he took them and he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck three times. He didn't tell him how many times. He struck three times and he stopped. Now, nothing is insignificant in the Bible. He stopped after three times. And the man of God was angry with him. Angry with him. And he said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you, till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. See, we make too little of God. We make too little of him. The man of God said, strike the ground. Strike it like you own it. Strike it like you want it. Three times. Boom, boom, boom. Man, God was like, that, that's all you got? That's it? Now you only have that much victory. See, don't be afraid to ask God for big things. Because he's more than able to do it. Amen? He's more than able to do it. And Satan wants you to doubt God's goodness. That's what he does. He's like, did God really say you couldn't eat from every tree? What should she have said? No. We can eat freely. See, Satan dropped out the word freely. He doesn't want you to know that God is a gracious giver. More than enough. And if he can get you to think that he really isn't that good. Think about the, the children of Israel when they sent the spies in. God told them. How many of you guys know giants big build, build, build big houses? <laughs> Dig deep wells. Amen? Uh, 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 make big vineyards. And God promised the children that. He goes, man, you're going to go into houses you didn't build. You're going to go into vineyards you didn't plant. You're going to have wells you didn't dig. I'm giving that to you. Just go get it. Go get it. And they saw giants. They were like, nope, not going. You know why they didn't go? You know why none of them went into the promised land except two? The two came back with a big old grape on each end of the, of the pole. Amen? They came back skipping and hopping. Check this out. Look at these big old grapes. Right? They saw God's goodness. They believed God would do it. But ten of them didn't. And nobody, nobody but Joshua and Caleb made it into the promised land. You know why they died in the, in the wilderness? Because they didn't think God was really that good. When God told them to go get it. They doubted God's goodness. Amen? Satan wants you to, to doubt his goodness. Look at John 6, 10. All right, then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there, were, uh, much, there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. That's just the men. You read any commentary, it tells you that there may have been up to 15,000 people there with women and children. All right? Uh, so the men sat down in number about 5,000, and Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. As much as they wanted. So there goes that notion that God will only give you what you need. They ate until they were full. As much as they wanted. That's who God is. You will have as much as you want. You hit the ground three times, fine. You hit it ten times, great. Amen? As much as they wanted. People skip over that all the time. Why? That's God's goodness. He gave them as much as they wanted. And then... Even after they ate until they were full, there was some left over. So when they, were, when they were filled, focus on that for a second. Sit right there. Park it. 
Smoke it. <laughs> Listen, don't smoke it. That was, that was a bad call right there, okay? That was the flesh. Um, but if you park right there, it says until they were filled. Until they were filled. And what does that tell you? Well, you, you sometimes God's just going to give you just enough, man. No, 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 God wants you to live a full life. Full life. Because he didn't just come to give you life. But life more abundantly. Think about that word. Life more abundantly. And I love that this is, people think, man, Jesus did this miracle. But look how much stuff is in here, man, about you, about us. Gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had, who had eaten and were full. There was more left over. They took home a doggy bag. That, but that's how good God is. He's over. He's an overpayment. He's over provision. Amen? It's who he is. Sometimes we just think so little of him. You know why? Because you're focused on the fact that, that you don't deserve stuff. He can't be that good because I know what I've done. And I know that so, we're human. Somebody's got to pay for it. Bad things happen in threes. Amen? You need new tires on the car? AC goes out? Got to get a new refrigerator. Anybody been in there? Right? And it all happens in a week. We always, we're just, we're just, we're in, in our human nature, we think, somebody's got to pay for it. This is why this is happening, because I did something, right? But we forget that Christ paid for it. I mean, honestly, somebody did pay for it. God didn't just brush over sin. He condemned sin in his son's body. Sin was paid for. So when people tell you, hey, you, you, you need to confess to be forgiven. I don't. I don't confess to be forgiven. I confess because I'm forgiven. My forgiveness happened a long time ago. Galatians 1.6. Check this out. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. The grace of Christ. Paul's like, I'm, I'm just shocked that someone has come in here and you're turning away so fast from him who called you to the grace of Christ to a different gospel. So I said, anything that is not the grace of Christ is another gospel. Isn't that what it says? Anything that is not of Christ, uh, the grace of Christ is another gospel. And then he goes on to say this, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. The gospel of Christ and the grace of Christ, same thing. Interchangeable right here. So when people say those grace preachers, they, they pervert the gospel. No, it's the exact opposite. Amen? And when some law preacher tells you that, call him a pervert. I'm just joking. Don't do that. <laughs> Please don't do that. Um, but even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Paul pronounced a curse on him. A curse, as we have said before. So now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel, that's not the gospel of grace, any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. 
a double curse. Why would God call, cause that to happen? Why would God double curse somebody for preaching something that's not grace? And it's because he loves people. He loves people. He wants people to know he loves them. That's why the gospel of grace is so important. It's good news. That's why when Moses struck the rock twice, he struck it. Twice. The first time he struck it, everything was good. Second time he struck it, God got mad with him. He said, you made me look angry before the people when I would freely give them water. You made me look angry. God protects his image. He'll do it. And his image is this. For God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. Whoever believes on him will never perish, but they'll live forever. That's the gospel. He protects his image. I love it. All right. All the divine oh, all the divine requirements that God has for man have all been divinely answered through Jesus. Amen. Boy, that's where that's where Mr. Thomas would have been like. Amen. How many of you guys know that? Amen. And then he would have turned around and explained it to everybody right there while I'm preaching. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but isn't that the truth, man? All the divine requirements, all the Ten Commandments, all that, have all been divinely answered through Jesus. Not by you, but by Jesus. Love that. All right, we're almost done. Acts 20. Again, Paul, but... None of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy. And the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the, the gospel of the grace of God. That's what Paul taught. The gospel of, Paul, he, pre he preached the gospel. No, 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 read, read your Bible. Read your Bible. The gospel of the grace of God. The good news of the favor of God. That's what it means. That's what Paul preached. And indeed, now I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God. See, preaching the kingdom of God is interchangeable with the gospel of the grace of God. They're interchangeable. Right there, you can see it. We will see my face no more. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. The whole counsel. You can't just preach grace, Troy. You got to preach the whole counsel of God. Wait a second. Whole counsel of God. That, that's amazing to me. Therefore, take heed to yourself and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. What builds you up and gives you your inheritance? The grace of God. The whole counsel of God is sandwiched in between. So savage wolves that are coming in, it can't be the grace message because that's what Paul's preaching. It's something different. It's a di Anything that is not the grace message is a different gospel. 
And those are savage wolves that are coming in. They're trying to make you go back to the law. They're trying to make you go back to your works. They're trying to make it go back to you feeling bad enough to do something for God. When you, It should be God has done something for you. Feel good and you'll do more. When you feel bad, if you do stuff out of condemnation, you're checking a box. But if you do something because there's no condemnation, you're doing it because you have joy. Amen? It's a beautiful thing, man. All right, what angers Jesus? If I were to ask you what angered Jesus, what makes Jesus angry? We all think what? Flipping the tables over, right? Now, I want you to understand something. It never says Jesus was angry there. Was he angry? Maybe, but it doesn't say it there. The only place in Scripture where it says he was angry. There's only one place where Jesus was angry. And I believe if there's only one place it says that, then the Holy Spirit wants us to study that. What makes Jesus angry? Come back next week. Mark 3. Mark 3, right? And he entered the synagogue again, and a man was, was there who had a withered hand. So they watched him closely whether he would heal him on the Sabbath. They didn't, they didn't question whether he could heal him. They want to know if he would heal them, right, on the, on the Sabbath, uh, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had a withered hand, step forward. Like Jesus just went, he's like, man, he blocked out all that. His heart was for the man that needed help. He cared less about the religious people. He said, man, step forward. That's how much he loves people, right? Uh, and then he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to kill? But, of course, they were silent. What are they, how are they going to answer that? Right? And when he had looked around at them with anger, it's the only place it says in Scripture Jesus was angry, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Now, they were not angry at him being able to heal. They, they were not angry with Jesus about him being able to heal. They were angry that he was showing grace. That's the bottom line. And Jesus was angry at their lack of grace. Amen? So what they do, man? So, so he is angered by their lack of grace. I wanted to show that to you. Um, then it goes on. And, and when he had looked around at them with anger, uh, we read that. Uh, look at verse 6. Then the Pharisee went out and immediately started rejoicing that the man was healed. You would think that would be what it should say, but they didn't. Immediately plotted with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. They were, they were mad that he showed grace. Amen? So, they didn't doubt he could heal. They were angry as grace. I saw that. So what grieves the Holy Spirit? Anybody ever tell you? Man, my spirit is grieved by this couple. They're holding hands. She's basically sitting in his lap at church. My spirit's just so grieved. You, you all hear people like that? Grieves my spirit. <laughs> okay, cat. Taco Bell grieves my spirit sometimes too if I eat it too late. Amen. Check this out. This is where they get it from. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. 
They pull that sucker right out of context. See the word and? You're not supposed to start a sentence with and. I went to JHS because I know that. And do not grieve. That means something happened before this verse, right? You want to see it? Next Sunday. 10, 15. All right, look. Uh, the, the next verse says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Because if you're imparting grace, anything that comes out of your mouth that does not build people up, does not give them what they don't deserve, grieves the Holy Spirit. See that? It grieves the Holy Spirit. So when you're talking to somebody, everything that you say, even if somebody's in your face, spitting mad at you because of what you believe, you give them what they don't deserve. You love them. Thank you for your opinion. I value it. But I just want you to know, I love you. Because lo God loves them. Jesus loves that person. Amen? You love that person. You don't have to fight. You don't have to defend it. It's not your job. You ain't big enough. Amen? All you can do is love on them. Anything, everything has to be grace that comes out of your mouth. All right, this is it. Oh, last one. What displeases Jesus? That'd be important to know. We know what made him angry. Wouldn't you like to know what displeases him? There's one place in Scripture. And we should focus on that. Amen? One place that then they brought little children to him that he might touch them. Say touch. Just touch. Touch them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. The word rebuke there in the, in the Greek literally means a strong rebuke. Like they, they yelled at them. Rebuke. Yelled at the kids, right? Uh, and the parents. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly, not just displeased, greatly displeased. And said to them, let the children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. And surely I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. That lack of grace toward children greatly displeased Jesus. And look, and he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. Now let me show you. See that the took them up in his arms. Okay, in the Greek, that's only one word. It's only one word. What did the parents want him to do? Touch. Let me show you. Jesus didn't just touch them. Look what he did. The word literally means to take into one's arms and embrace. He embraced them. They were asking for a hug. He embraced them. The leper was asking to be healed. Jesus hugged him. And instead of Jesus catching leprosy, the leper caught what Jesus had. Isn't that amazing? It's unbelievable. Jesus always exceeds our expectations. So when the devil first came in Genesis and said this to, to Eve, making, making it look like God is stingy, he's not. He's someone that goes above and beyond. You can't out-ask God for something. You can't. You can't out-dream him. How do I know that? This is one of my favorite verses ever. Now to him who is able. Look, you can stop right there, right? We can call it a day right there. Is he able? Yeah. To him who is able to do exceedingly. He could have ended it right there. Can he do it exceedingly? Is he able? Yeah. 
But does he stop there? No, he's got another word for you. Abundantly. Exceedingly. Abundantly. He wants you to get the picture. If he just said exceedingly, we'd be like, God goes above and beyond. No, he is exceedingly. Abundantly. What does that word mean? A whole lot. Don't think God is so cheap, church. You limit him. You're hitting the ground three times. Amen? We ain't done. Abundantly. Above. Above. Not, 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 not coming in under. Above. <laughs> Only what you need. Right? No. All. All. Like all. You, you can literally do a sermon on every single one of these words. All that we ask. Not some of it. All of it. It is what it is, church. This is the Bible. This is the truth. This is the word of God. Amen? All that we ask. That's our part. We got to ask them. We got to how, how do I ask them to make my marriage better? If I have to explain that, that's your problem. God, please make my marriage better. So, girl. Right? Right? If you need something, ask him. Ask him. We do not ask enough. That's the whole point of this message because he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. You cannot outdream him. If he puts a dream in your mind, run with it and then start asking for it. Ask for it. I'm asking for it. Your elders, your pastors are asking for it. We're like, Lord, thank you for providing a place, a place we don't have to sweat and work for, a place that giants built that we will inherit. He's working on our behalf. I don't know where it is, but I know he's doing it. I know he's able. I know that he'll go exceedingly abundantly above all that I can even ask or think. According to the power of that works in us. That power, we have to first understand, that power was given to us. The power to be able to approach him and ask him was given to us. How many, just think in your mind, just as yourself, how little do we use that power? You have this supernatural power. Me too. Supernatural power to be able to ask, to be able to speak. How often do we use it? That's not to condemn you. This is to remind you of who you are. Start asking for big things. Don't, don't think that God doesn't care about this. It's too little. That's a lie from the pit of hell. He cares about every single thing you are dealing with. In fact, he already has the answer. Sometimes he's just waiting on us to ask. Amen? Hey, stand up and give Jesus a hand, man. All this, all this is because of what Christ has done for us. But he is a big, big, big God who loves you and has freely given you all things that pertain to this. He, listen, he didn't give you all things that you need. He didn't give you all things that you're going to have in heaven. It says he has given you all things that pertain to this life right here where you are. Everything you need is wrapped up in Christ. We just have to see it. The moment we take our eyes off of that and all we want is him, you start to see the manifestation of everything you need. Everything you want is already right there. Amen? Listen, if you don't know who Jesus is and you feel like you've got some stuff going on in your life, maybe you think that you don't deserve him, I'm going to go ahead and answer that. You don't. Raise your hand if you deserve it. 
See, you're in a good place. We don't deserve it. That's why it's called grace. He's giving you something you don't deserve. He gave you not just something. He gave you the best that heaven had to offer in Jesus. Amen? I'd say he's above and beyond anything that we could ask or think. If you don't know Jesus, please see me, Pastor Dwayne, after church. There's other people in this church that, that, would, that could lead you and help you. Listen, we don't go through all your sins. Nobody's got time. You want to eat? <laughs> the Bible doesn't even say to confess your sins. What does it say? Confess Jesus. Confess Jesus. If you confess Jesus with your mouth and believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Boom. You want to talk about your sin? That's fine. We'll do it some other day. Amen? But to be saved, you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Um, if you're looking for a church, this is who we are. It's what we do. It's what we believe, whether it's him, whether it's me. If you don't like him dancing up here, maybe this ain't the place for you. If you don't like me joking around and preaching like I do, maybe this ain't the place for you. And that's okay. God bless you on your way out. But I want to tell you this. We love the Lord. And more importantly, we know the Lord loves us. And there's a lot of changed people in this, in this, in this room because of this message that the Lord has given both of us. And, uh, and it's only going to get better. Amen? Amen. It's going to get better. Can we sing it? He's like, I'm coming up. I'm coming up. I'm coming up. You're done. I'm going to rescue y'all real quick. <laughs> Amen. God is good. Amen? Come on, let us pray. Father God, we bless your name, God. We thank you so much for just reminding us of reminding us of just how good you are, Father. We thank you, Father, for your word, Lord. We thank you for giving us hearing ears and hearts to receive, Father, your word today, Father. Let us leave this place and not leave this word here, Father, but to take it with us, Father. Let us, let us just focus in on this word this week, Father. Let us just meditate on it, Father. Get it deep down in our spirit and our souls, Father. And let us do what you said to do, what you sent us out to do, Father, which is to make disciples, God. Take this word that you planted inside of us, Father, and share it. Share this good news. Share this gospel, Father. We're so grateful, God, for your grace, for your unmerited, undeserved favor, Father, that you poured out in abundance in our lives, Father. God, you have blessed us to be a blessing. Father, we live in the overflow, God. Your word says that the Lord is our shepherd. And we shall not lack. You are a good, good father. And because of that, Father, you will withhold no good thing from us. So, Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for all of your provision, Father, that you've made. Thank you, Father, for going before us. And as we like to say, making our path straight. Thank you for ordering our steps. Thank you for blessing the work of our hands and causing us to prosper in all things. Father, we bless you. I bless this congregation, Lord. I bless every household, every family represented here today, God. We thank you for supplying all our need according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray that the church say amen. Amen. We are dismissed.